0: Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence. Self-confident. Unconstrained. Hello everybody, my name is Joe Armstrong. I hope everyone is happy and safe. You are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Don Heffington. Drummer and musician Don Heffington's credit list is so long as to be nearly unprintable. He started out in the early 1970s, and he has had a steady career since, backing up artists of all stripes, from lesser-known bands to numerous acts who have become household names. A fractional sampling from his resume includes Bob Dylan, Emmylou Harris, Joe Walsh, Lucinda Williams, the Jayhawks, Buddy Miller, Katie Lang, The Wallflowers, Sheryl Crow, Dwight Yoakam, Joe Cocker, and countless others. So it's no wonder his phone continues to ring. It isn't so much flash that he brings to a recording session or live gig, but more of an affable, no-BS approach to making music that makes it easy to have him around. On top of steady session work, one of his current gigs is playing drums for the reigning kings and queens of the scene at Los Angeles's Largo, the Watkins Family Hour, where Heffington shares the communal and creative vibe with former Nickel Creek members Sarah and Sean Watkins, along with Fiona Apple, Ben Monttench, Greg Leese, and Sebastian Steinberg. But it's Heffington's new album, Glory Land, that allows space to get him out from behind the drum kit and in front of the mic singing almost spoken word vocals on 10 of his quirky but incisive original compositions. Imagine Tom Waits as a tall, lank, well-traveled, and friendly train conductor with a mischievous twinkle in his eye. Welcome to Independence Day, Don Heffington. Hey, Don. How you doing, Joe? I'm good, man. I'm good. Right. Like you're, like it's so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be sitting across from you, man. You're fairly legendary. What? Well, like, like starting right off here, I mean you're a musician, you're a drummer, like your your primary, you know, music thing is drums. But you dabble in other things. Yeah, I've been and, playing drums for a while, yeah. And to give people a you know, uh, a point of reference as far as what you're all about, right? Uh people can go to Donheffington.com to find out about you. You've got a record that came out just I think last year, Gloryland. Land. It's all your, yeah, uh, your own stuff, yeah. your friends playing some tunes. Um but then you know, one of the main things you do, you're kind of a session player, you know. Yeah. You show up and play a lot of sessions. And <laughs> on your website, I'm leaning over here to get this, there's a list of your credits. If you click on this thing, it says your full credits. And, I mean, I knew you were all over the place in terms of playing music, and you've played with a million people <laughs> for a long time. But printing this out, it's seven pages at like 10-point font. It's in, And it only goes through 2011. That's very impressive, man. Yeah, all right. Well, so there you how go. Is it... Uh, let's, let's start here because I don't I don't know you you know very well. You know, just kind of through today getting to know you. Um, you're at a point in your career now where you just people know you. You just get a call, I assume, for a gig. Hey, so and so's got a session on Saturday. Well, it's
1: always people you know call you. I think I think yeah, I just know more people. That's probably one of the
0: yeah. Say. I guess that's but that's my question. Mm-hmm. Like how you started off. You know, pretty good while ago. Like, how did you get from <laughs> how did you get from there to here? Like, we all know now that you've been doing this a long time. You just you're just in everyone's rolodex, right? You know, well, we need a drummer. Is Don available? Let's get him. Yeah. But like, how did it evolve to be that way? Because so many young players are out there right now listening to the show, and they're like, man, they tell me it's who I know, but I don't know anybody. You know, when you're starting I, I, off, you don't really know anybody. Like, how did you get that? I don't first- know about that who
1: you know thing. I, I mean, it's to a certain degree, but I think pretty much. I'm not. Sh- Perhaps there's something to be said for hanging out in the right places. I never could yeah. figure any of that out. I don't know. I think if you gravitate towards things you enjoy, you'll get called for more things you enjoy. That was always my theory. Right. And uh, I tried to play with work people that I enjoyed working with. You know, I yeah. worked with some great people.
0: So, but I guess my. How did you get that? Those first calls, though, that got you into that <laughs> that situation where you're just getting calls all the time.
1: Specifically, I well. There was a friend of mine from high school that got me on a gig with a guy named Hoyt Axton, if you okay. remember Hoyt. Yeah. And uh, from that, I met a guy named J- David Jackson, who was a great upright player. And uh, he hooked me up with some guys from New Orleans. Uh, Jerry Jumanville, Eddie Zip. These guys came up uh, with with Dr. John from New mm. Orleans. Okay. So I was, I was pretty much a kid. Well, a kid. I mean, I was like 22 or so, right? That's kind of a kid. Kind of a kid at this point, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so I met Eddie and Jerry and we started doing little gigs. That was, that was about it. Now, but this was a, like a, a really interesting band because they were doing all this traditional New Orleans stuff which in the early 70s nobody was doing in this town. We had, yeah. horn, we had uh, Jumanville playing horn. Jerry Jumanville was playing tenor. He was a great tenor player and they would played with Mac a lot, Dr. John. And guys started coming down. Freddie Tackett started making it down who's a great guitar player. He wound but,
0: up in Little Feet. Is that the same Fred that's Tackett? That's
1: Fred Tackett. He'd known those guys forever. And... Um, uh jim price rolling stones trumpet player the guy that did all that stuff he started playing uh it just turned into a real nice band and uh people started coming down because there weren't any more other horn bands uh, uh, lee thornberg was playing trumpet and uh we'd play little places i mean we played some little bar i don't know what was going on in that place that place playing got shut down i think there were yeah. a lot of hundred dollar dinners going out the door i'm not sure exactly what they were selling in there but um people would come down and see the band it was just a good band you know what i mean and that band ended up going out with lowell george when he did his solo tour lowell george used to come down from little Feet. and uh i think i met a lot of people through that experience just uh people would come down and hear the band and uh so in that case, it was just a simple thing. We just playing yeah. music. But I don't think there's any other way to approach it other than just yeah. playing music. If there is, I don't know what it is. Because, yeah. I mean, that's all I've ever done is just try to play things I enjoyed playing. Yeah. I mean, Bill Evans, a great keyboard player, he once said, uh, he went to New York and he had no idea how to how to start, what to do. And he said, well, I'll just get my thing together. You know, if I'm playing alone in a room and it sounds good, somebody, will sooner or later, they'll open the door. Yeah. And I don't know how else to do it. I mean, there's pro- I guess that's why people get managers, but I never yeah. had one. so. Yeah, you know. I think,
0: you know, you stumble across little bits of wisdom in your life, uh-huh. you know, adages, aphorisms, things that, like, like that kind of form your own code, you know. And I think a really big part of that, for me at least, has been as a musician, as a human, is be whatever it is that you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you'll never be successful unless you are what it is that you are. Don't try to be something that you're not. I mean, as a a young player, as a young musician, um, you know, I grew up idolizing certain players, you know, guys like David Gilmore, Eddie Van Halen, or whatever. And then as a songwriter, too, when you start writing songs, like there are people you emulate. You know, the Beatles are a big Mm -hmm. one, but you kind of emulate people because you have to start somewhere. Right. You know, you can't start in the ether. Everyone's, you've already heard these songs just from being a human, being alive. But then but you really don't get to be what it is, you know, a, a success or like be original or be unique until you kind of cast that away. And like, right. well, how how would I write? How do I sing instead of, I'm not trying to sing like any given person. Well, that's, that's person. the
1: thing, you know, the uh, people have listened to my record. They say, well, it's so difficult to find your own voice like that. Some people think that that's yeah. got that, that the record's got that. But I don't really, really agree with that. I think it's a lot easier to I mean, if you're trying to sound like somebody else you're not going to be you 're always going to fail first yeah. of all you're not going to be able to do it anyway. I think it's a little easier to find your own your own spot you know if you just let it happen, I think it's kind of an intuitive process. I think know?
0: a lot of people don't know they're doing it though uh-huh. I think that uh, and it's a society thing you know I feel like every you know every ten years or so, a band comes along that like kicks open a door that does something at least it's perceived as being new. The uh-huh. Beatles are an example of that. Led Zeppelin are an example of that. <laughs> um, U2 is a latter-day example of that. Mm-hmm. Van Halen was an example of that. Guns N' Roses, uh, Radiohead, where there's these bands where like, they come in, do something, It's or Nirvana, a great example. It's kind of different in some way, and then a lot of people really love that, and because a lot of people really love it, they start kind of doing that even almost subconsciously. right? So you've got like the the like the like tip of the spear band. Like how many bands loved Van Halen? Like how long was popular music influenced by Van, like Van Halen just for example, right. or Guns N' Roses, and then everybody wanted to sound like that raw LA mm-hmm. grungy, or dirty, not grunge, but dirty kind of thing. And then Radiohead, and all of a sudden everybody was doing, you know, mm-hmm. proto Pink Floyd son, soundscapes and things like that. So, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think some of it's conscious and some of it isn't. But I agree with you that you have to do what it is that you do. You have to do your own thing. Um, you know, Gloryland is a classic example of that, the record that you released just recently. I mean, it's, you know, some people people tell you, or you've told me that it sounds kind of Tom Waitsian or Captain Beef Hardy. To me, it just sounds like you being you. Well, people
1: extent. have, yeah, people have said that. I, I don't think there's, like, I know Tom. He's He's been a friend of mine forever, and I, I love Tom. And he's, uh, we got a little co-write on the new record I did, which isn't out yet. But uh, there's... I don't think it stems from that. If anything, it stems from earlier stuff. I think people hear some of the, uh, the uh, similar influences. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't know that it sounds so much like those guys. I think it's but- the
0: approach... The, maybe the approach, making it yeah. more so yeah. than the actual music itself i mean someone on the surface might listen to it you know there's a point at which one of the live songs you're going to do today it's kind of the musicians in the background are playing something non-traditional they're right. they're using their instrument and not you know uh sebastian the bass player is going to be thumping on his bass. Yeah, see that
1: stuff was when i was a kid i was into jazz real heavily my 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 mother's side of the family we were all musicians my mother played upright bass my grandmother taught me to play the drums. And uh, she also played keyboard. She played in, uh, she played all over, you know, she played all over LA. She played strip joints. She played silent movies. Yeah. (laughs) She was, you know. But I got into jazz pretty early, you know. I was, you know, I heard Brubeck and some of that stuff, and I liked that. My mother got me a subscription to Downbeat, because she knew, when you like jazz, we'll get you that, you know. And uh, they, I, I just got into the best stuff so early. I was listening yeah. to Miles and Monk. I'd go down. Monk would play. You know, you could sit four feet away from it. It, sounds like, it seems like a dream now. Yeah. Coltrane after hours down there in Adams. I got yeah. to see him. But, you know, people have been doing that type of thing, that sort of that New York Avant sort of thing yeah. for the, sit forever. Yeah. I mean, in the 60s, I was listening to people do that. You yeah. know what I mean? So when people hear something like that, they immediately think, uh, Beefheart, they immediately think yeah. weights you know but there are yeah. precedents for that you know yeah and i love weights and I, I love both those guys i you think know, those but.
0: are guys that kind of made it their stock and trade you know mm-hmm. it wasn't the song that was in their canon that was the experimental song mm-hmm. you know it was like they really wholly embraced that kind of like bukowski as music kind of thing yeah right you know uh-huh. and uh, and, and then they got because they got known for that. They almost got pigeonholed as that. And now, it, like for a guy like Waits, who's still musically active, like getting out of that hole. I mean, he's he, such he a can do whatever he wants. can do whatever he wants anyway. Yeah. But and, he he did, and he always has done. I And he always wanted. will. He, he, and God bless him for budged, it. He never budged, man. I such never such once heard tent.
1: that guy talk about radio play or anything yeah. like
0: that. You know? Yeah, think about that. A whole career, you know, with essentially no airplay. You know, It's great to think about. Anyway, my guest this week on Independence Day, Don Heffington, legendary drummer, excellent (laughs) music. Now you're going to chuckle every time I say that, but you are, man, in some circles. In some circles. I will say this. I will say this. Infamous. I know I'm I'm a liner note junkie. Oh, yeah. So I've been seeing your name and liner notes long before I knew anything about you. Didn't know what (laughs) you look like, didn't know what city you lived in, didn't know anything about you at all, but I'd seen your name. And when you're a liner note junkie, you cross-reference things in your head. Mm -hmm. This person played on this Jayhawks album, but then also played um, with this artist over here. And that's when you start to kind of connect the dots and you learn who the people are, who are important, who are playing in a lot of records, who the studios are, that people are doing a lot of records in, the producers. People, it's one thing I think we've lost now in the MP3, like the digital age. You don't get liner notes with things. So you can't go, now there's, in some ways the internet is the biggest set of liner notes ever because no. now we can learn now I can you can sift through find them, yeah. you one way or another right uh-huh. but it's not presented to you in a way that you know that that was my education oh yeah as well, a musician. The albums were
1: great was know,
0: through liner yeah. notes like oh mm-hmm. there's that name okay who did this guy play with but then I saw him guest on this other person's album and it all yeah that's how we
1: always out. bought a lot of records anyway know? so
0: yeah. uh, Don Heffington like I was saying he's my guest this week legendary go ahead and chuckle
1: no it's right. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs>
0: For today, you're legendary. You're a legendary uh, drummer, uh, songwriter, performer. Uh plays a lot of people these days. Watkins Family Hour. We'll list off his credits in a little while. Um, but he's got his own record. It came out very, very recently. It's called Glory Land. We've picked this track to play from it to give you a taste of what he sounds like. This is the track That's Hollywood, Don Heffington on Independence
1: Day. <laughs> Buses and stores, locked windows and doors, beggars and boars and street corner whores. You don't walk too slow and you don't talk too fast. They'll drag in the alley and kick your ass, cause that's Hollywood. Tommy struts around like he thinks he's big. Slimy little sucker tried to steal my gig. He talked behind my back until I caught him, and he don't know nothing except what I taught him, but that's Hollywood. I got a little part in a TV series. It was a situation comedy they called Bowls of Cherries, but my part got stolen by some young kid whose daddy jerked off Mr. Big, but I guess that's Hollywood. They hand out these parts quite arbitrarily. A person shouldn't take these things too seriously. They just keep you in town, weeping and wailing, taking work turned down by the illegal aliens, but that's Hollywood. You take Sunset Boulevard, past Cowinga, past Highland, La Brea, to La Cienega, down three blocks and two houses up. Just talk to Richie and pick up the stuff, cause that's Hollywood. You can laugh at fate, but you don't dare taunt it. How much you get depends on how bad you want it. But they make promises that they can't keep. And they take Valium to try to go to sleep, cause that's Hollywood. This is Hollywood. That's Hollywood. This is Hollywood. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. You know what? This is Hollywood.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. This week's guest, Don Heffington, legendary. I'm going to stop saying that every single time. But uh, fairly legendary drummer. He's played with everyone you can possibly think of. Fairly legendary. Well, here, once you do this, take this list. Oh, come on. What, what, what? Just listen to these people you've played with, man. Well, you've... fantastic uh, a, a guy named bob dylan perhaps you've heard of a guy, him
1: perhaps you've heard
0: of emmy lou dylan. harris leo kotke joe walsh van dyke parks lucinda williams uh ricky lee jones sam phillips love the sam phillips record you, you work on martinis and bikinis right
1: right yeah i on love some of that, that yeah. Yeah. record yeah she's great i love her love too love that
0: record yeah. and the drum sound he just crushes those i mean uh <laughs> overhead mics with the the, the um compressor to yeah. get that sound uh, Jayhawks, Buddy Miller, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, Lone Justice, Wallflowers, Percy Sledge, Matthew Sweet, uh, local people, Tony Gilkison, Ted Russell yeah. Camp. Uh, so many people, man. Chucky e. Weiss, friend of Tom Waits, hey. Dwight Yoakam, Cheryl Crow. Uh, such an amazing experience in music. Yeah, you know, it's been great. And it continues to be, because the list that I have only goes through 2011. So... <laughs> you know 7p probably got six more pages on there i don't know about that so when was the last time you did a did something for money that wasn't music related
1: there wasn't what
0: That wasn't music related like you know a lot of people i know in the music they they still have to do some other type of thing like oh being, you mean like a, a day
1: job sort yeah, of a deal
0: uh, anything other than that
1: well i haven't had any man i uh when i was really young uh when i was just turned eighteen, I had uh, gotten a little issue that I needed a lawyer for, <laughs> and the lawyer charged five hundred dollars, which my parents put up. Yeah, and I got a job in a car wash. Okay, and uh, paid back that debt. Okay, and uh, that led to a career very short-lived for about two months making locking gas caps on an assembly line that they seem to keep speeding up the minute you get a rhythm going. Yeah, That lasted about two and a half weeks till I just, I saw these gas caps coming at me and I just put on my jacket and left. Yeah, That's been the extent of it. I was 18. So I've been lucky. I've been able to play pretty
0: much that's incredible. exclusively. I mean, that's fantastic. But you've, yeah. but you've you've got to have a work ethic that's... Exemplary to be able to do that in music. I mean, things have changed. <laughs> Some people would disagree, somewhat, with that. but but well, you I mean, whether you will admit it or not, right? There's a reason that people call you for things. You know what? You know, put yourself in the producer's role for a second or another artist. Like, what do you think when someone calls Don Heffington for a session? What do you think that? Why are they calling you as opposed to Keltner or Aronoff or any oh, of the other folks who are around?
1: Well, that might have to do with. Uh, keltner might have For it with money
0: could, could be, well could be could be anybody
1: <laughs> i love jim keltner he's a friend of mine and uh, i think he's just one of the greatest drummers ever I don't, I don't know why people call me i mean i know that initially i think i had a little different background than a lot of guys i didn't come up just listening to uh to rock stuff you know i, I listened to a lot of jazz and then uh, i heard dylan when uh Bringing It All Back Home came out. A friend of my brother's had a uh, copy of that in 65, I guess. And that totally turned me. I mean, it turned everybody around. And uh, so that got me into a lot of folk music, a lot of country music. Uh, I mean, there was a time when drummers didn't even own brushes if they weren't playing right. you know, more traditional, either jazz or uh, more, I don't know, maybe country music. So, I mean, initially I think I went into sessions with a little bit broader range okay. than, than some guys. That would be, and uh, I had a large, like a, a, a really broad, uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of different types of music. Okay. So uh, I could bring different things to the table. That would be about it. I mean, there's so many great drummers out there. I have no idea, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, why somebody gets called. I've known so many wonderful drummers in this town.
0: Yeah. Well, but that's just, but you have been getting these calls for a very, very long time. I mean, just when I, when I knew I was going to book you on the show, you know, very happy to, to meet you and to have you on the show and, you know, to uh-huh. t- t- tell your story to some people a little right. bit. <laughs> um, just, you know, I, I, like I said, I knew that I knew you from liner notes, but then going back through that list, you know, this, I, we'll stop referring to this in just a second, but just for all, <laughs> for personal reasons, the records that you've played on that are, are favorites of mine, or, or, or records that I, I really, really like. Uh, Kathleen Edwards, Asking for Flowers, more recent. Uh, I big,
1: love that track uh, in particular.
0: Big, uh, yeah, big fan of that record. Yeah. Um, Tim Easton, who I've had on the show. Love played with him a little, yeah. Uh, Kit Boardman, who I had on the show recently. Rick Shea, who I had on the show.
1: Wow, uh, you got and, all, the, all the guys.
0: What's his name? Uh, Dan Navarro, who I had on the show mm-hmm. not too terribly long ago. But uh, but then going back just a little farther, Buddy Miller, one of my favorite guitar <laughs> players. I love Buddy. Uh, I met him in
1: Nashville when he was. Uh, I wouldn't say he was just starting out, but he was recording in his house. I did, did some records with uh, Buddy and his wife Julie. Yeah, and they were just great. That was one of the high points. The I, I Buddy was in and that.
0: Julie Miller record, the first uh, one they did together. Well, there, I favorite. did.
1: They both had solo records actually uh, at the time. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm just. I'm. That's the record that I know and love the most. Was their first record they did together. Yeah. Uh, but then going back. Uh, Randy Newman, Jesus, man!
1: Randy Newman, no, how'd that get on there? I wish, no. Somebody put that on there.
0: Meet the Parents, drums, two thousand.
1: Well, I may have had something on Meet the Parents. That might have been. I think that might have had a Bobby Womack cut on it, yeah. and he might have done the orchestration on the mm-hmm. rest of it. But I didn't play with Randy. Okay, well, I
0: won't specifically. Tell I love Randy Newman though. Uh, Wallflowers, who I know Matt Chamberlain also yeah. played on that record. Well,
1: yeah, Matt Chamberlain, I played percussion on that record. Matt yeah. did uh, Jay the Jayhawks. Okay. Jayhawks, that, and I guess yeah. that's
0: the big one for me. The Tomorrow yeah, the Green you like Grass that one. record. Yeah. Uh-huh. I really, 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 really like that record. Tomorrow right. the Greengrass, yeah. Very influential record in my thing. So anyway, we'll stop talking about credits, but it's just okay, of, let's it's, do that. It's uh I don't know It's just interesting from, from my perspective, as a guy who learned about the music, so much of the music business before the Internet, through liner notes and albums that I bought to kind of connect those dots and yeah. get you around. So let's I mean, I want to hear a little bit about your formative years, like how you got started as a human in the music business. You were saying before <laughs> like you had some, some family con, you know, connection with right. family people. But first, play a live song for us. you've got a fantastic band, you've got Tim Young. Who's joined us to play electric guitar and Sebastian Steinberg is gonna play some upright bass. What's this first song we're gonna play?
1: Uh it's called um Flying Over Flagstaff, and it's uh it's um it's kind of about post-traumatic stress. It's um a friend of mine uh came back from the war and he uh seemed to be doing all right, Teach said, and uh, but his uh, actions kind of said otherwise. Anyway, that's what that's about.
0: Okay, I want to hear a little bit about your formative years, how you got started, like how from being a kid to being the guy that's playing in people's records and going out on the t- on the road. Uh, but, we, but you've got a great band here today. It's going to do these songs as a trio, some live tunes. Uh, you've got Tim Young on electric guitar and Sebastian Steinberg on the upright bass, which I love to call bull fiddle. By the way, I love that phraseology. <laughs> so, uh, what's this first song going to be done? Uh, flying over Flagstaff. Okay, Flying yeah. Over Flagstaff. And this is from Gloryland, correct? It's from Gloryland, yeah. Okay, well, so let's hear this.
1: It's about post traumatic stress or whatever that's worth.
0: Okay, well, all that's right. It's a big deal in our modern yes, it, is. Yes, it is. We keep sending poor bastards off to the meat grinder and expecting them to come back and just be able to shop at Ralph's, and it doesn't work like that. Right. Don Heffington from his record Gloryland on Independence Day.
1: <clears throat> okay, you guys, ready? Well,
0: Flying Over Flagstaff. <laughs>
1: Getting back from Baghdad Well, happy-go-lucky me Me and my cousin We're gonna soon be buzzing Happy-go-lucky me I get distracted by the ringing in my ears Sometimes it seems like that's all that I can hear. My wife, she screamed and told me, stay away from here. So I shot the window out and drank three six-packs of beer. But when the cops come, they treat me like someone wrong. A happy-go-lucky bean Come on, Tim the roadside, that was where that kid died. Well, happy-go-lucky me. But over in Fallujah, they say that any little dude can do you. Well, happy-go-lucky me. i did some target practice shooting at a mirror till i got distracted by the buzzing in my ear my wife she screamed and told me stay away from here sometimes it seems like that's all i ever hear whoa got my fatigues on Where's all the weed gone? Happy go lucky me. My car got bent up. I'm gonna get sent up over by the steeple. There's a lot of bad people, but. Well, happy go lucky. Happy go lucky. Happy go lucky me.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Thank you very, very much for doing so. Please drop by indepday.com. That's I N D E P D A Y.com to learn everything you know about the show. Also, follow us on Twitter at indepday. We're on Instagram now, Instagram.com slash indepday. And we've got a YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash indepday videos, I believe is the URL there. So check out lots of great artists on here. I'm very, very happy to add Don to that list. Hey, Don. Hey, man. Great to have you. Oh, right. Great stuff, by the way. You guys are great. You guys play together very, very well, I must say.
1: They're fun guys to play And that's play the with.
0: thing, you get to this point where, you know, you were talk, we were talking before as we were setting up, you're not really rehearsing these kinds of things. But oh, when you've no. got <laughs> when you've got players at this level, it's actually better that way.
1: It's better because, yeah, they, uh, they, they you know, you, you, the more you throw at them, the more you get back, it seems yeah. like, with these you, guys.
0: Rather than trying to micromanage them, you get the right guys and let them do what they do, Exactly I think is the key to yeah. that. So good job. We'll hear more of the live songs here in just a little while. And be right. sure to check out the web exclusive track too. There's going to be an extra special song on there. So talk to me about this. Like you said, you had some family people who were in the music business. Yes. So growing up, was it something you always expressed interest in? Was it something, did your families like sit around and play music together? Did you have siblings who were playing music? Were like, what was the, what was the musical environment like growing up?
1: Well, it was always around because my mother played upright bass and so we always had one in the corner. It was always a presence, and she'd uh, she'd go off and play gigs now and then, little local gigs. And uh, her mother, my grandmother Vita, she played drums and she played woodwinds. She played keyboard, like I was saying. And uh, her grandfather played. Uh, he was a drummer boy in the Civil War. So oh, wow. you know, so
0: it goes Which back side? the North maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have ancestors on both sides of Really? That, which huh? is very, very interesting. I'm kind of split down the middle. Now I'm I'm in no way in support of slavery and the nonsense that went along with that. I'm I'm what they call an uh a Yankee. Mm-hmm. I was born in the South, but I was raised in the North. So Really. Like, uh-huh. I uh I under I I inasmuch as someone who's not from the South can understand the South, I understand aspects of that. Uh-huh. Do you know the drive by truckers? Yeah, band, uh, uh-huh. Patterson Hood, wrote a lot about what he calls the duality of the Southern thing. Because uh-huh. there are great people from the South, and oh, there is yeah. nobody alive now who was involved in the Civil War that's long since passed. But they still have a lot of ghosts, and those ghosts have loud chains, and they still drag them around to this very day. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and racism is everywhere. It's not unique to the South. But this it's is true. kind of woven into that culture. Anyway, mm-hmm. short aside, so you're talking about your family, your mom, your grandmother in the Civil War.
1: Yeah, so anyway, it was always on my mother's side of the family, and uh, my grandmother had her old drum set from, I've still got it, a 1932 Slingerland wow. set, it's beautiful set, all, all the pieces are still there, she kept care of, she took care of all her instruments, and um, it was always there in the closet, and every now and then I'd pull the drums out, and you know, one time she said, well look, at these are rudiments, she showed me some little... Uh, you know, that was little, smart of her. Yeah, of course. They always started with rudiments back in the day. They are like uh, little breakdowns of different uh, patterns. And, uh Yeah, paradiddles and such. And um, so, you know, she sent me home with them one day. That's how I started. I was nine years old. So that was it. Um, and, uh, you know, music was always around the house, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, so at that point, uh, did you have formal training? Did you play like in a high school like jazz band? Yeah, I did took you... some lessons from a guy named Bill Douglas,
1: uh, who was a great drummer. Great drummer. Uh, a guy named um Clarence Johnston, another guy. Donald van they were jazz jazz
0: musicians. Now, was there an era in your life where as a young kid you were playing like five hours a day? Because there's so there many. There was people actually, go yeah.
1: That. When I was real young, uh I'd get up in the morning and play, run off to school, come back for the lunch hour. I was close by and I'd play. That was in elementary school. I was kind of obsessed with, with that for a while. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, it shows. It has served you well. Yeah, I guess you so. Know. Uh, that, that was like some of my best music training. I'm sure my guitar teachers would be angry to hear me say this, but some of my best training as a guitar player, classic rock was really, really big, like in the 80s when I was really learning to play. Uh-huh. And I would just turn on the local Chicago classic rock station and I would play along with every song that went past, Uh you know, um, the meat and potatoes of classic rock music. And this was when classic rock was like a new format such Mm -hmm. as it is. It didn't, it was different than it is now. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I'd get a little bit of the Pink Floyd and the Beatles and the Eagles and the oddball one hit songs, one hit wonder songs that would roll through there. And usually, you know, sometimes it would be a little bit out of tune with it. So I'd, you know, had to learn to tune real fast.
1: Uh-huh. So get there my figure
0: out figure out what standard is versus <laughs> what song this is in, mm-hmm. and you know back then they were probably playing them off of uh, turntables.
1: No, I'm sure they were. So yeah.
0: maybe that was a little faster or a little slow. So I'd get my guitar in tune. So usually by the first intro, maybe the first verse, I'm in tune. Uh-huh. Start to figure out the key because you got to figure it as it goes. Right. And then, you know, what key is this in major key, minor key, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I, it's not like I'm learning the song note for note. You know, that was something that would come later. Right. But then by the time mm. I got a handle on the song, song's over, next song's coming up. Like, okay, now I got to do the same thing. Okay, am I in right. tune? Am I not in tune? Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about music. I did that for four hours a day.
1: Yeah, I well, that's sort of what you have to do on a stage, too. So
0: it got yeah. you ready for that, right? So now getting to that end getting out in front of people or getting out and playing with other people right away. You know, you had people in your family who were playing. Did mm-hmm. you just get out and start putting a band together right away? Were you I, the guy um, calling your friends about the band? Were you getting, yeah. were other people like, Hey Don, well, the, come play with our band.
1: The, I played with some little surf bands around, uh, around the neighborhood. And, uh, I was playing jazz quite a bit by the time I was about 14. And, um, there was a there was a public service announcement on the uh, on the jazz station K B C A was the, they all just called it the jazz station was the only one in town back then yeah. back in the day and uh, they said they were having some music uh, jazz workshops down in uh, in South Central uh and I went down there I talked my mother into driving me down and I met uh, just an, some really incredible guys I still know him uh, Sam Johnson's an upright player he lives back in Chicago I just saw him recently. And uh, I met a guy named Butch Morris down there. And Butch was an incredible, he he was always just an incredible spirit. But anyway, this was a little band, the Butch Morris Quintet, or Doug Morris, he called himself back then, that was an early band that that I put together and played around town with. So that was the first band. Now Butch, I connected with him years later, in 2005 maybe through the internet you can find people he was back in new york tearing it up he was doing just incredible things back there if you ever um want to look on youtube for like uh the composition of conduction is a good good uh little um introduction to butcher's thing he came up with ways to to direct improvised music using hand signals oh wow Just incredible what he was doing. So I started working with... After all those years, you know, I started working with Butch a little bit. Don't they have numbers?
0: Like, don't they have hand signals for the Nashville thing?
1: Well, they might have given you a 145, but it was nothing like that. These were very involved, you know, uh, ways of getting you to repeat phrases and all spontaneous. So the instruments feed him things and he feeds them back through the hand signals. Oh, wow. It was really interesting, part of the downtown thing, you know. And uh, so anyway... He, that was one of the first bands I played with, but concurrently, like I said, I'd been listening to some Bob Dylan, which got me into this whole other thing. Because you, like you say, you read liner notes, and you know, well, who's who's Woody Guthrie? You know, so you yeah. start reading those things, and I got into folk music. I had, uh, I started playing auto harps and acoustic guitars and stuff. Yeah. You know, I remember once I had this. Kind of a little one-man band set up. It was uh, my grandmother's big old bass drum and a banjo, you, and I think I had a harmonica oh, cool. rack. and I'm, I'm 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 banging away. And I remember my dad came in. He looked in the bedroom. And he just he just shook his head. He says, yeah. "Man, you used to be a pretty good drummer. At least you had a <laughs> chance." He said. <laughs> he just thought it was just absurd. So I so I got into so I was playing folk music. I. I got into the Chicago, you know, the blues thing through all that, the chess records thing. So I had these two things going. I was playing with Butch and these guys. I was also listening to a lot of the kinds of music. And when I turned about 19, I think it was, I started working some clubs with a friend of mine named Eli Culbertson, who uh, was totally into that Sun Rockabilly thing, oddly enough. This was back in the 69, maybe '70. So it wasn't anything that was particularly popular at the time, but he, we started playing some clubs, uh, playing all this old rockabilly stuff. And, uh, you know, he looked the part enough that we started getting some people down, you know? Yeah. And, uh, those were some of my first gigs, you know? Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it was, it was just a lot of different kinds of great music over the years, you know.
0: And kudos to you, uh, being a guy who's played, you know, I dabble in drums. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you. Like, I play musical instruments primarily, but I've always loved the drums. Mm-hmm. And I have a drum set, and I play. I kind of hack at it. You know, no, no formal training. I, mean, I know paradiddles, <laughs> and I know the difference between traditional grip and right, yeah. is it standard. I don't know what they even call the uh, regular, you know, non-standard. Yeah, Are you a traditional guy? Do you, oh. what, how do you do your snare, your left hand?
1: Uh, I... I like either way, like both either ways. Ways. depends on the volume I'm playing. Yeah, okay. I prefer traditional, but if it gets real loud, I'll switch yeah. over to matched. Dead they call it matched
0: grip. So, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that you know I, I like to play drums because I wanted to be able to speak that language when I would talk to a drummer in my band. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't want to just boss people around, but I <laughs> we, but we also we also have to have that common language. Like, okay, well, I want I want this accent on the accent of four, or I want you know, this a symbol choke on this song, like knowing what the, to sp- how to speak to a drummer, f- I felt uh-huh. like I could earn their respect. They're resp- tough to talk to, man. <laughs> Indeed they are. They, uh, I felt, but I felt like you could get common ground a little better that way. Right. So that if you're arranging a song, you, you know, instead of just saying, well, do, you know, I had a jazz drummer, would be like, well, do a little of this. Or I mean, uh, a jazz uh, band director in high school, and he would say, do a little bit of this and just move his hands around in kind of mm-hmm. a waving motion in front of him. And we were all just thinking, well, what the hell is that exactly? You know, what, is, what does a little of this mean? but so I, I learned that but i but to i guess the point is you're a drummer who plays musical instruments so what a great boon to have in your band to have someone as a drummer who's thinking musically and not just rhythmically Right, right. Right. I was
1: always into the lyrics, also. Yeah.
0: Well, geez, I should give you a big, giant gold star button just for even saying that. I mean, (laughs) I've had guitar players, I've had people in my own band who don't even listen to the lyrics of the songs that they're playing. They have no idea what they're. They don't even. They don't they even care? (laughs) You know, I guess they're good for their own thing. They do what they do. But I don't know. I feel like it's all part of the whole. Uh You know, and I think maybe you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that that's how you approach this. You know, you're, well, yeah, you're
1: a total musical sort yeah. of experience, I would hope. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, Let's play yeah. another song while we're doing Let's this. Let's do I want to make sure we get uh, get all these in here. So this, this next song, I think, is probably the most uh, abstract of the ones you're going to play. If I'm correct, Did I get the right one. Yeah, Avenue C, right? Talk to me just a little bit about this. like where, uh, Avenue where this... C, that's,
1: a, that's in New York. There is a club called the New Blue in New York that I, when I was playing with Butch, actually, that we were talking about Butch, he had a, he'd, he'd play the New Blue when he was in town. He traveled uh, the world a lot. And I'd play with him a little bit there. So um, it's a poem I wrote. I was down in, um, I was in Australia with Van Dyke Parks and uh we were we were uh doing a festival down there and wrote this little poem and uh, we just put some music to it you know it's called avenue c yeah uh, re- reminded me of being back there with Butch a little bit
0: yeah. yeah and this is where i think that tom waits kind of comparison comes in when you play a song yeah. like this cuz he's done um he's done a lot of spoken word type he has beat yeah, poetry kinds of things it, yeah. so when people hear a musician doing that like they're I think people automatically want to like connect the dots and draw a point of reference, and I think I people think people like the, lab-
1: like the title things. I suppose yeah,
0: and so. the dark side of that is people kind of want to label you or put you in a box. But I which, can
1: understand it. I can understand. What they, I mean, that's I can understand why they'd say that. I mean, that's yeah. maybe their first experience with something a little more abstract.
0: Yeah, know? and it's great though. It's fantastic. You can, uh, yeah. by the way, people you can.
1: You it's not a them. bad comparison. Hey, I love yeah, it. I'll take you know, it at I'll all. I mean, it, I'd yeah, be happy that's to. That's fine. <laughs> I would mow, I'd
0: mow that guy's lawn. I mean, I I, I revere Tom Waits. <laughs> we used to
1: go get tattoos together back in the day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which one? You got to show me which one. I'll take a picture of it and oh, put it on the website. God. No, I don't take
1: pictures of these things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think his might be worse than mine. I'm not sure. Yeah, well. It's... He got one once that fell off when it healed. Oh, Lord that's Almighty. That's the kind of... There yeah. were only two tattoo shops back then.
0: Yeah, things have changed, man. It's, oh, fa- it's, things it's fancy now. changed. It's like high art, a lot of things have changed. <laughs> so, all right, so this is Don Heffington with a song you can buy on his record Glory Land. The song is called Avenue C, accompanying him, Tim Young on electric guitar, Sebastian Steinberg on bass. So eager for you guys to hear this. Avenue C, Don Heffington on Independence Day.
1: The usual obstacles, the typical slogs. I was tossed in a pit full of menacing dogs. Then sold into slavery for a ten-dollar note, surrounded by possums and suckled by goats. I was tied to a rock overlooking the Thames, swept into the river and fished out again, accused of adultery by a well-known harlot and burned at the stake by North African pirates. But as fate deemed appropriate, down came the rains, blinding my captors and dousing the flames. And drowning the harlot that called out my name. That's nothing unusual, it's more of the same. With an uncertain future and dwindling reserves, old scraps of paper and overwrought nerves. I saw her before me, her foot on the stair, her hand on the railing, and the wind in her hair. Well, it seemed that I'd seen her one time in LA at some local art gathering or some miserable play, perhaps in Chicago, or maybe a dream. But dreams are beyond me. Who knows what they mean? Off in the distance, a slow-moving train, all covered with hobos, all drenched with the rain, trying to believe that it wasn't in vain. Nothing unusual, more of the same. walking one morning so fair, I spied a young jaybird circling the air. Come hither, young jaybird, and sit on my knee and we'll watch the sunrise over Avenue C. No, I wouldn't come hither to a rounder like thee, for ye may take vengeance on a poor bird like me and leave me like papa down six feet below. I said, hey, hold on, take it easy there, crow. You know, many have lived here like many before. They've walked the same hallways and they've swept the same floors. They fought the same battles with varied resources and they sought the same pleasures from a number of sources. They married, divorced, and the kids have left home. Some have taken to beds that they lie in alone. Living in limbo and dying in vain. Hey, that's nothing unusual. It's more of the same.
0: is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. This is Don Heffington. He's my guest this week. Another great song, kind of an abstract sort of thing. A little less musical in the sense of being composed, uh, but also. Less musical? Come musical. On. No, no, no. Not a musical <laughs> in that sense. Less, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you're, that's a good point you're bringing up. Not less musical, but just a different way, structure. Less musically structured in the a sense little more that atonal it's verse, types. chorus, oh, right. uh, harmony, melody. It's mm-hmm. a spoken word thing over almost a soundscape is what yeah, I'm trying to go. say. So less musical, you're right. Good for <laughs> calling me on that. It's not, not exactly what I'm getting at. Um, and those guys did an excellent accompaniment on that as oh, well. Oh, they're wonderful, yeah. Good, good players. So tell me this. Okay, so now we're doing chronologic a little bit in terms of your career. Um, are you... Was it more studio work? Was it more live work coming up, or was it a kind of a com- always a combination of the two? You know, when you were a young player, like well, you, you know, your when you're starting days.
1: out, you're going to be doing more live than studio. You yeah. know, and then different periods, different things. Sometimes you're on the road a lot; you're doing more more live yeah. than...
0: And how about these days? Are you doing a lot of touring still? Probably
1: you... a little more studio. I haven't been doing more as much uh, road work.
0: Okay. As I used to. Is that by choice or just kind of by happenstance? Yeah, both. Both, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's
1: kind of by choice. You know, I get grumpy out there.
0: Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> you know, people, I don't know. I feel like people who aren't musicians, like, see the life and they see something that's not reality.
1: Well, they see the one hour on stage or whatever. They don't see you right. sitting around a bus, you know. From, right.
0: The hurry up and wait part. of it. it's, drive and it's something that's Kansas. torturous.
1: Well, it's not it's not all that bad, you know. I'm not gonna try to give it a bad rap. I mean, it's a great way to make a living, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh Yeah, you know, I I can go either way with it. I've heard I've people
0: say, and I having been out on the road myself, the I, I, I love this phrase. It's like you you play for free. You get paid to ride around in buses, yeah I've heard sit that. In yeah. airports and eat crappy food and That's sleep in true. crappy beds. That's like the music true. part, even though Tacitly, that's what you're being paid for. You're really being paid for all that other stuff. Oh, that's true. That's the good you hour out there. of your day. Yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> um, so, you know, of all these different projects, let's, let's back up a little bit. Like which, the, the, all these people you've played with, plus your own project, what do you think has taught you the most in your life? Taught me the most? Yeah, about yourself, about life, about your own playing, about playing with other people. It's an open-ended question, intentionally designed as such.
1: What's taught me the most? That's a tough one, man.
0: Um, or, like, what pushed your boundaries? Was there an artist that called you up and you thought, "God, how's this going to work? But well, then you, got you in know, there there there's, you...
1: there's people that were a big influence on me. Uh, Victoria Williams was a huge influence on me because I had, like I said, I grew up playing more improvised music, but then I kind of started uh, tending more towards... Yeah, you know, a lot of folk, folk singer songwriter songwriter stuff. stuff. Now, Victoria was a, was a songwriter, of course, but her stuff was very open-ended. You never knew how she was going to approach it. You know, I remember there was this one tune where we get to this one line and it always seemed to rush there and I'd be trying to hold it back. I said, what's up with that? I finally mentioned it to her. I said, maybe you want to hold that back, that one line? She says, oh no, no, it's supposed to do that. And it was a line where it says, you got to go fast. And this tempo just went weep. But she was okay. like, she was illustrating the lyrics. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? The, and uh, and you could, you never knew how she was going to approach a song. You know, okay. I learned a lot from Vic. Uh, I learned a, a lot from Butch. You know, when I reconnected with Butch, it was uh, just to see somebody who was that willing to... Uh, to open up to the possibilities, you know. I yeah. mean, he used different sound sources. He used poets a lot of times as a sound source. So uh, yeah. it would become a musical experience, but using poetry as the emotional base right. for the people performing it. Maybe you'd have a group of 16 people reciting the same poem, but using it in a totally musical, improvised way. And, uh, you know, those were a couple of people that really uh, influenced me a lot. Um, I could probably uh I'd have to think about the the broader aspect of that a little bit. Yeah. I'll have to get back to you on that one. I
0: mean having well I've I've read, having never been in a session with Bob Dylan, but I've read that he's kind of he can be kind of challenging in a because 'Cause he'll, well, he'll he Dylan, he won't do the same thing twice.
1: Well, you know, Bob Dylan that was that was great to play with Bob because we uh I just got a note. I, well, oh, no, I remember. It was actually, I was playing with Lone Justice, and he'd written a song for the band, actually. He wrote a song for Maria called Go Away, Little Boy. And uh, so I got down to the studio, and there's Bob, and we uh, we ran that song down. That's how I met him. He brought uh, Ron Wood down, and they, they both played on this tune. And so that was really gratifying. And uh, then a few months later, I... Um, I, got a, I came home and there's a note on the ground that says uh, Ira called, Ira Ingber. He says, "Wonders if you want to play with Bob Dylan. And I was like, well, yeah, I want to play with Bob Dylan, you know. So we started nah. going over to his house. Yeah, right? <laughs> what are you going to say to that? And so we started going over to his house and he was just so into music, so involved and so like in the moment of playing. Yeah. Really, it, you, we jammed for about four hours and he wouldn't stop to playing guitar. He wasn't working on lyrics at the time. I'm sure he was on his own, but he was just trying to find grooves and... Yeah. Very respectful of everyone's musical point of view. never tried to direct traffic too much, just kind of see what would happen. Very interested would be the world, in- interested in what could happen, which is probably why he's, his music's got such a broad scope. I don't think he goes in with yeah. any preconceptions. I could I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And um, so it was very pleasant, and then we ended up cutting this thing called Brownsville Girl which was uh, on one of those albums in the 80s. And that, that was an interesting track. And um, so, I mean, I, I, it was nothing but pleasant for me. I, I, I don't know what other people's experience may or may not be, but, I, you know, I loved the guy. I love his music. Yeah couldn't be better
0: i mean know? it seems like it would be an education i mean that guy yeah
1: well just to watch a guy like that work yeah just to watch him mean. scribble lyrics and just like cross things out and just get an idea and it's just gonna go in 10 directions at once it's like watching picasso paint or something there's yeah. a video on watching picasso paint i don't know if that's yeah. still available but uh you know just the way the ideas are changed and you think oh that's beautiful and Bam! And the whole thing gets changed, you know. Yeah. And he's just very, seems to just channel uh, something that, I, you know, yeah, he's yeah, onto yeah. something, that guy.
0: <laughs> now, was there, is there anyone, given your career, uh, and you're still active, you're still playing all the time? Uh, I hope so. Uh, is there anyone that you haven't worked with that you would, lo- that you would like to? Is there someone I with?
1: haven't worked with that I'd like to? Uh, well,. Yeah, there's lots of people. You mentioned Randy Newman. I'd love to play with Randy. You know, there's some great songwriters out there. I used to uh, like Jesse Winchester quite a bit. And, uh, you know, when I was coming up, Bob Dylan was the guy. And uh, I did get to work with Bob. Um, 67 or so, both The Velvet Underground and um, Leonard Cohen's first album came out. And those were both huge to me you know, the Velvet Underground, I could hear that sort of New York, that Ornette and that dark edge to it, plus the the lyrics. So I was way into that. So Lou Reed and uh, Leonard were a couple of guys I would have liked to play with, you know, and, uh, actually I did get to play play with Lou in New York, um, on Victoria, he was friends with Victoria Williams, so he sat in on some stuff a couple of times, so that was great. And, uh, you know, I met Leonard a couple of times, but I, I'd love to play with Leonard. You know, uh, Waits is always a favorite of mine. You know, there's a lot of, lot of great people around.
0: You know? Yeah, there certainly are, man. Uh, why yeah. don't we play another tune here? Let's do it. What's this next one going to be? All right, time to drink whiskey. Time to drink whiskey. And are you a whiskey drinker? Is this just kind of a Not a so much anymore. Yeah? Are you sober?
1: <laughs> I guess you could say that, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, that's good for a lot of folks I know. Especially in this business, it kind of caters to bad behavior. <laughs> in supports bad behavior in a lot of instances a lot of ways well
1: so, i kind of had to give it up yeah it it was, i went out kicking and screaming but i had to give it up. how long
0: uh, well it's been it's been over 20 years yeah, yeah. good for you man <laughs> no that's that's fantastic i mean I, I think that's a really really good thing there's a young musician rod melanson who i had on the show uh about a year and a half ago he's young up and coming kind of looks like james dean plays more like uh elvis uh from louisiana so he's got like bayou credentials um and i it's funny because you i mean i'm not super close to rod but i know rod i see him around the scene i see him mm-hmm. on the circle i've had him on the show i've got his number i could call him say uh-huh. hello hey let's, let's go hang out and i didn't know that he had a problem you know i didn't he got on facebook a few weeks ago he had a big like ah uh-huh. and i think he might have even gone into some doing some rehab um young kid Who's this now? Rod Melanson is how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I played with him a little bit. Yeah, he's good a good kid. Bit I like Rod him. quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, soft-spoken, you know, in and, and that Southern way that Southerners are like respectfully soft-spoken, yeah. you know? Like my dad. Like when well, my you know what so, they
1: say, nobody likes a quitter. So It wasn't really my idea, so... <laughs> Exactly. But you know, sometimes things just happen in
0: life. Yeah. Well, I mean he would be vocal about this, but I guess that's my point, is that I didn't know he had an issue and he's a friend. Yeah, you he's know, a good I mean kid. we'd have beer here and there, but I didn't know he had a problem with it. And when I got to talk to him after he got out of rehab, he's like, Yeah, he said he would he'd, he'd all kinds of stuff. He'd, he'd start what the knows drink in What's and going then. on
1: behind closed yeah, doors, right? That's what you don't know.
0: So, you know, so now I mean I, I try to be as supportive as I possibly can. You know, it's uh-huh. like, hey man, don't uh, you know uh every time he puts something on Facebook, it's got his little uh little I don't know if you've done the program at all, but he could you get like a little pendant for a, a month pendant. or sixty days or a year or whatever. And like mm-hmm. every time it's like I make sure I support him as much as I possibly no, can. Right. So so anyway. Good for um, him. We didn't mean to get down that road. So the song, <laughs> Time to Drink Whiskey. Time to drink which whiskey. In this case, right, be go. Third person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Don Happing. So no, very, I'm in there somewhere, I'm sure. Well, but you know, you've lived it, that's good. You know, better sometimes to survive it. That's the trick, right? All right. So proud to bring everyone Don Heffington on Independence Day. This is a track. Time to drink whiskey. One,
1: two, three, two, two. Well, my car's up in Denver. The manifold's blown. I lost the keys to the house that my wife says she owns. She took all the Carl Perkins, and even the stones. Now it seems I've got nothing but time. The skies have turned cloudy. The clouds are all gray. And I'm drunk in a park where my kids used to play. I had a girl who once loved me But she's gone away Now it seems I've got nothing but time Well, I've got time to remember Time to regret Time to drink a whiskey and to smoke cigarettes It seems to go on forever It's not over yet well these days there's nothing but time Get a Tim. a place in St. Louis. The band used to go and we'd laugh and we'd play songs that we didn't know while the fair and tender maidens lined all in a row. Yeah, St. Louis seems just like a dream. Now I can hardly remember the people i met Southern whiskey and the stale cigarettes. It seems to go on forever. It's not over yet. Don't know just what I thought I would find. Ah, but these days there's nothing but time.
0: Joe Armstrong. I come to you just about every other week with my program, Independence Day. We've got over 145 different artists on here, some really, really fantastic people. Don Heffington is no exception. Don, thank you again for coming in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The music is so good. (laughs) It's so cool. So what made you decide to do Gloryland? Is this your, like, uh, it's the only one that you've listed on your website as being a record. Do you have other records that I don't know about, or? Oh, well. Or no?
1: There was one that was kind of a duet record in uh, Nashville, but this is the first one that's mine. Yeah. Okay. Was what that made me decide? I was uh, I was I, a dear friend of mine, Jill Markey, was is is and a great artist, and uh, she said to me once. She said, uh, "I'd like to do the. Uh, I wish I could do an album cover." So I said, "Hey, I got you covered." So I went to my friend Dave's place, and we did a little single. I figured we got a single, you can make a record cover for. Yeah. That's all it was, man. Yeah. You know. The one thing led to another after that, but uh, so she used a, a, a painting for me of me on the cover that she did. She's a great, real, real wonderful artist. And uh,
0: this is wait, Gloryland or the other one we're talking this about? This is Gloryland. Glory okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, you, so were, the, you
1: were saying, how did I decide
0: to do the record? So let me check this. Basically, you made a record so that your friend could do the album cover
1: that's why i did it as a, that's why i did the single it was a okay. single at the time then i just kept going because it was fun but there wasn't a lot yeah. of thought that went into it it wasn't like i decided this was yeah. my moment or yeah. anything like that finally I, going for that brass <laughs> ring man. Yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> no i was just uh, you know one thing led to another it was fun to do and uh uh i i we started afterwards you know th- things happen you know i've played i've played with sebastian quite a bit upright player that was here here today and uh and uh, I think I did a session with both of them that Tim was on. We gave him a copy of the record and then somebody asked me to do a show and one yeah. thing led to another, you know, things kind of yeah, happen. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like to put too much thought into things, you know, Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know.
0: I think, I think your head can get in the way. Exactly. You know, especially when you deal with something like music, music or being a musician, which a lot of that comes from the heart, because I can't tell you how many girls I've dated over the years that didn't, I, the way I, the nicest way I can say this is that they did not understand the decisions that I made. Right. Why I would choose to go on this tour instead of fixing my broken tooth. That's common. Or yes. why, what's that? I'm sorry. That's common. Yes. Yeah. Or why I, well, it's a tragedy too, but why I would. <laughs> Uh, you know, have an old stereo and an older car and an older version of this, but uh-huh. I would, but I would refret my guitar, right? You know, say, so, well, how can you how can you find money to refret? It seems your like guitar?
1: obvious choices to me. So,
0: well, that's exactly <laughs> it, you know. And so your head, when it comes time to really, you know, when the rubber meets the road and it's time to really make the music, your head mm-hmm. can get in the way. I think, right. and I think you, know, you said the word fun there a couple times, and I think, excuse me, fun. Uh, is really kind of part of this record. It's endemic. It's woven into what you're doing. It really sounds like you guys are just, there's no pressure. Right. You know, you're just going, you're making whatever it is that you want to make, and and part of that is whatever it is that happens.
1: Well, you know, when I did that record, I I, uh, cut the uh, vocal and, and rhythm guitar at my place, I took it over to my friend David Vaught's place, and he, uh, we both overdubbed on it. We did that for about four songs. And then David passed away. It was uh, he, real suddenly, he passed away. So I had to finish the thing on my own. I recorded, that's just me on there, actually. Okay. On most, most all of it. Uh, but it was fun, yeah. I was having a good time with myself in there.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> then when we were setting up, you pulled a CD out of your guitar case. We were talking about other albums and things that you'd done. You pulled something out called Generator. Well, that, right. I
1: pulled that out because that—that's uh, David Vatt and I went back so far, so long. Okay. You know, we'd known each other since the early '70s. Well, let's,
0: let me stop you. Let's play a little bit of it.
1: Yeah, this is it '76. Right we did this.
0: Hold on. A second. Let's listen to this. This is Don Heffington generator from Days of Yore, back in 1976. <laughs>
1: My generator's buzzing, my horn won't beep Sometimes I get so tired I can't even sleep Well, I oughta to get a horse or I to get a cheap, And I'd walk up this hill if it wasn't so steep But my body's in not neutral, my brain won't start and I feel like a sailor with a wicked, jealous
0: heart Looking at the world through a bottle of port Yeah, someday I'm gonna get it Okay, way back in 76, let's let it play just a little bit here. Tell me, like, was this out here in L.A. that you did this? Was this somewhere else? Was
1: yeah, that was in L.A. It was out, out in the Valley. He had a studio out. David had a studio out in the Valley. It's, and we used, to, we used to get together and do stuff. We had a band called the Flaming Pits that we printed up this, uh, this god-awful record, kind of trying yeah. to alienate people, I suppose. Back in 75, we'd go and play clubs and trying to get booed off the stage. I think
0: they call that challenging your audience.
1: Yeah, we were trying to. Yeah, we I, we did a good job. We were pretty good at getting booed off. And we had another one called Window Pane. Uh, back when the new wave thing was starting to hit, we wanted to go up and... Uh, I got us some wigs and we wanted to go put the long hair, you know, and yeah, do this yeah. like outmoded psychedelic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was the plan. We never got around to doing the gigs, but we recorded. But anyway, we, uh, we did a lot of stuff together over the years. And that particular tune was just something I cut way back when. We, we cut a lot of stuff. It was really a shame to, lo- really, uh, shame to lose, David.
0: But yeah. Life and goes on. Life does go on, and just, as does the music.
1: As does the music.
0: Because that's how, you know, I don't want to get all greeting card philosopher about this. <laughs> I'm going to start like crying. But that's, well, you know, every, uh, part of the greatest thing of human experience is leaving something there after you're gone, mm-hmm. right? And music is a unique form of art because it is both, like you look at a painting, unless it's some kind of crazy abstract painting where they're in the gallery in real time painting it, and that's part of the experience, like a performance art situation. Like a painting or a sculpture is done. The Sistine Chapel is done at one point. It becomes a static form of art. Music is a living, breathing art form that is both static and not static. You, You create an album which is a document of one day or combination of sessions that make that session a thing. All then right. you release that. And then, you know, if we're all lucky, you sell millions of copies of it or, or, or tens of copies or dozens of copies, whatever it is. But that's what that is. That's the static version of that. But then we, as living musicians, the other aspect of that is going out and performing it. Mm-hmm. Whether than that can be in a small space in somebody's living room. It can be in an outdoor arena in front of tens of thousands of people. It can be anywhere at any time. And, I love that aspect of the art that we make, mm. you know, and you seem to embody that you know both in your recordings with Gloryland Land and the other things you know watching you guys work here today um, you know it's a really a living breathing yeah, thing.
1: I try to keep it spontaneous. We have a new record uh, it's not out yet, okay but um, yeah, it's these guys on it, and we cut the whole thing live uh, There's a couple little overdubs on it. I love but, uh,
0: the title is it contemporary? What is it? abstractions in folk and dance. Folk song and dance. Folk song? Yes. Okay. I didn't yeah, get yeah, that yeah. part of that. <laughs> what's what's behind that title? Is, that, is there something to that or is it just a funny phrase you liked? Uh,
1: well, I thought it sounded sort of like a college course. I like the way it sounded, and I think that's what it is. So yeah. you
0: know. Is this and I've be... been
1: trying to get dancers for a long time okay. involved. I'd like some I'd like some uh, <laughs> Uh, a little choreography maybe if possible is this But that, be that be hasn't just, really panned out yet <laughs>
0: the, ni- the night is young. <laughs> Night's young There are a lot of dancers in That's this town right. man. I'm sure you could talk somebody and It's got it.
1: another good cover uh, Sarah Kramer did the cover for that one So I think we've got another nice cover uh, okay. when, will, uh, when
0: will people be able to get this new one?
1: Well, it'll, it'll be printed up pretty soon okay. It'll be around, you know Everywhere, Walmart, Walgreens <laughs> Walmart. Everywhere
0: Good lord, <laughs> Can you imagine having an album in Walmart? Can you imagine <laughs> I can't. what you'd have to go through? Do they have albums? No,
1: I don't suppose they, they
0: do. They do. I think they do.
1: I couldn't tell you. I haven't been in one for a while. I haven't been in <laughs> one in eons. My, my
0: family lives in rural Alabama. My nuclear oh, family. Oh, they've been to the siblings, Walmart. So they know all about the Walmart. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure they have. You still go buy records at the WalMarts? is what they call it. <laughs> Y'all going to the WalMarts. Uh, but yeah, just the Paola is alive and well, I think. And that's a funny thing in our business. Well, it seems that way. Because you don't get a record on the, like, you, let's use Chips. As an example, snacking chips, right? People don't really know this, but when you go to a Ralph's, which is a supermarket chain here in Southern California mm-hmm. to buy Doritos, right? Th- the store itself doesn't even stock those shelves. People from Frito-Lay or whatever company owns right, all those, yeah. they come in and they arrange things so that their products are first and foremost at eye level. There's extensive studies that people have done on these kinds of things, right. so that the, the end caps, you know, it's prime real estate in a grocery store. The end cap is where it's <laughs> right there in front of you. But I that's no, that. there's no different in the music business, and it's not new. It's always been this way. Uh-huh. You know, getting your stuff, the Starbucks, I saw an artist who I just had on the show recently, Amy Blaschke. Excellent. Got her song on the Starbucks airplay thing that's playing in the stores for her new album, Opaline, which just came out very, very recently. Great record. But uh-huh. Lord, how, what a lucky, like getting your music, now that we're in an era where everything's inundated, we get, we you, know, you go to the gas station and there's a TV. Right. You know, there's yeah. music playing mm-hmm. everywhere. So now that the challenge is not getting signed such as it was, it was the challenge of once upon a time to get part of the big machine. Now it's just being heard whether you're independent or not. It's kind of part of the reason I do the show.
1: Mm-hmm. is right. uh yeah, that's you know, great.
0: just talk about the way people the way people connect the way people get their music out to other people anyway i'm going off yeah. on a tangent
1: no it's all right no i guess it's uh yeah i suppose whoever like with frito-lay for instance i guess if they're selling the most product they can call the shots where they yeah. want it right so it kind of feeds itself i suppose maybe the music business is like that but i don't know it's I've never really tried to figure any of that stuff out. One thing I, I do like about the way things... It's so much easier to make a record now. Yeah. I mean, people talk about the good old days when you could get signed and, you know, become a big star or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at least you don't have some record exec breathing down your back, yeah. you know, which was not pleasant.
0: Growing up, like that, <laughs> that phrase... Getting signed. Getting signed. Ooh, was yeah. like the, that was like this big pie-in-the-sky goal that everybody uh-huh. seemed to want to have, but I don't think they even knew exactly what that meant. Yeah. You know, people have written books about this. Uh, Jake Slichter from the band Semisonic wrote, a So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star is a book I would recommend. Uh-huh, I right. And they had that big hit, Closing Time. Mm-hmm. Closing time. And so they had that big ride off mm-hmm. that one single. And the guys had been in another band before that, that the main singer... Uh, gosh, his name's escaping me right now. Uh, and he's written with Dixie Chicks and other folks to Dan something or other. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, they had that huge ride with a record label. That song was a big single and they got behind it and they made a video and he talks about the video alone cost, I don't know, $100,000 or something and some big right. type of thing. Uh-huh. Like, well, nowadays, that's a huge budget for even an album. It's <laughs> huge. It's astronomical.
1: Nobody's going to give you $100,000. Nobody's going to give you
0: $100,000. <laughs> you know, so things have changed. and But I think it's his... It's, it's solved some problems and created others. Yeah, probably. People like it's to romanticize just, the old way. Just life, yeah. But it's just, it's just different. You got to do it. But it's enabled us to make records. To exactly. Do,
1: do shows you like know, this. Yeah, I, you know, life goes on. It's not going to be what it used to be.
0: Yeah, you know? and we still have that live aspect of doing this, connecting with people and making something for. There's people.
1: always a way, man. Yeah, you know, just gotta make. So it I have happen. two
0: more questions, and we got to get you out of here because we're kind all of right. running a little short on time. The first one is a personal thing. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, Tomorrow the Green Grass, a record that I is a personal favorite of mine. Do you have any? Re- it's, you've done so many records. Do you have any recollections of doing any of that record at all? This is just that record? A, a yeah, I thing. remember it. Yeah. Was that done out here? Was it done? Because I know we they did felt- a
1: Sound City out there okay. at Sound City okay and uh i think we rehearsed for a day or two Dr- okay. george draculius was producing yeah. it and uh just went in there and cut the thing you know george likes to stack things or he did at the time so yeah. we'd we'd cut the thing get it till he liked it but we were basically going for a drum track yeah and then they would uh
0: build on top of it from you there. know
1: they they'd, they'd build on that you know that's how we did it uh their harmonies and and gary was a great guitar player too that the harmonies were what was happening with that yeah. band i thought you know really interesting harmonies you never know who was singing the lead and who was singing the harmony you really yeah. couldn't even tell it's like and a then it would go unison for a second and then bust back out it was very free harmonies yeah, yeah
0: like a leuven brothers kind of thing almost yeah you, but even yeah.
1: even more odder i couldn't i couldn't really get any rhyme or reason to it it would just uh it just worked good it was yeah. just their thing you know
0: yeah they're really you know the, the, the reason i brought it up is is that aside from being a personal favorite of mine it's an interesting study and in kind of like tumult within a band because i know that album they'd had kind of a hit with tomorrow or uh hollywood town hall the album that preceded that album mm-hmm. and they'd you know they'd you know that was they were signed to uh,
1: wasn't it a deaf american
0: yeah deaf american which is rick rubin's label yeah and or it was at the de- back in the day mm-hmm. and had had some success, gone out on the road, played some shows, and then when they were working on this uh, Tomorrow the Greengrass record, uh, that was the last record they did together for a long time. Right. right. Like they kind of exploded <clears> after that. So are you, are you on Blue? Are you the guy on Blue, the song?
1: That's me, yeah. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my you favorite like that one, songs. Yeah. yeah, they had some good ones, yeah.
0: And they, I mean, I remember reading, they, when they wrote Blue, they sat around and like as soon as they were done with the song, they kind of looked at each other and said, that's it. Yeah. that's our hit like that's I mean for guys like that who aren't really hit driven uh-huh. such as I knew them to be you know it's not like they're in a pop band you know right. a country rock band but as soon as they read that, they knew that they'd hit something really, really special. And it's what
1: a, did that mean at that point? Did that get on the radio much? I'm really not Yeah, yeah sure. That's what, yeah, that's probably
0: their biggest, I mean, such uh-huh. as a band like, you know, the Jayhawks, who aren't really, they don't have a ton of airplay, which is a crime against humanity. <laughs> but they, they got, it's probably the song they got the most airplay on, I uh-huh, think. That would be the that one, song. yeah. VH1 yeah. was even using it for a little while, for a little short, like, musical bumper tag. It seems like I remember something,
1: you just hear it now and then. Yeah. yeah. Back when I had a TV, which. Yeah, just
0: that, that main riff, back to E. Right. I just love that song. Anyway, so we got I got one more question. We'll come back, play the last song, and we'll kick it out, right, out the door let's here. Go. So I love this question. It's my new favorite question. I set it up the same way every time. It's very very open ended. So take uh, this wherever you want. But what makes you happy?
1: What makes me happy? Well, you know, my dog makes me happy when he's not misbehaving. Um, you know, I I like to play music. Uh, John Coltrane makes me happy. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much great music I've seen over the years. Uh, you know, the usual things, I mean, the human things make a person, family makes you happy, Yeah. you know?
0: Well, I mean, in general, I mean, my you specifically, girlfriend makes me happy, you know? girlfriend. Uh, Yeah, usual
1: stuff. I don't Nothing too profound there, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So after all these years, I guess this is my auxiliary question that I promise we'll get to the song. So just making, making music.
1: Making music, that's still, it. Still, after all yeah. these years. Yeah, that's still at it. It's
0: fantastic, Don. Love to hear Yeah, it.
1: hopefully keep at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, man, I mean, I just imagine... Okay, this is the auxiliary, auxiliary question. This is something I meant to ask you before, given this career, this, this list of people you've played with. So when you get a call to play on someone's record or someone's tour or someone's show. I mean, some of these people are your friends, but if you get a call out of the blue, are you getting a call? This is like music business mechanic stuff. Are you getting a call from a manager, from a music director, from the artist, combination of that? Like how, when you get a call, uh, who, you mean to do
1: a record or something? Yeah, a
0: record or a tour or whatever. It's either
1: going to be the producer or it's going to be the uh, somebody in the band, one or the okay. other. That's about it. I can't think who else will call me.
0: Well, no, it's just, it's a different uh-huh. thing. If I mean, At least it feels different to me, the projects that I've done when you get a call from a producer versus a call from the artist itself. Uh huh. You know, maybe even a movie be like getting a call from the director versus one of the other actors. Like, hey, come check out this project. Are you interested? Uh huh. You know?
1: Well, you know, if, if, if I, it can really go either way. If I, yeah. if I know the person, obviously they're going to call me. If I don't yeah. know them, it's probably going to be the producer, yeah. probably. But you know, it
0: could really be uh, the artist too. It'll go yeah. either way. Yeah. And do you do you turn down many projects?
1: Well, it happens. Yeah. yeah. it happens for various reasons. Yeah. You know, well, you, you know,
0: there's only so many hours. Can't do everything. Indeed. You know? <laughs> Indeed. All right, Don, one last song. What's this last one going to be, man?
1: Last one, John Coltrane on the jukebox. He makes me happy.
0: Okay, let's hear this. Don Heffington, one last time on Independence Day.
1: Oh, hang on a second. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, I was going to say this is based on uh, uh, Steve Wynn wrote a song called John Coltrane Stereo Blues. This is based on that. It's been changed around. Okay. But uh, I was with, uh, with uh, Dream Syndicate. Very Steve nice. Oh, yeah.
0: Context nice. is important. Thanks. Yes, exactly. Appreciate Appreciate it. It. All yeah. right. As I was saying, once again, on Independence Day, Don Heffington. John
1: Coltrane, Stereo Blues. Yeah. Well, keep your hand upon the shade, baby We ain't going nowhere And if the moon goes dead over something I said, well, I don't even care We're gonna move it, shake it, send it on down We're gonna take it back where we come from We got some John Cole train on the jukebox, baby John Cole train on the jukebox, baby Don't even talk to me honey about the civilized world it's just a you and me the way we got to be we got to make it shake it take it we gotta learn about love on a three-ply rug we're going back in flames we got some john coltrane on the jukebox baby john coltrane on the jukebox baby hey She th- said, I said I- hold me tight. I said, I don't think that's what you right want. I don't think, think that's I what you what want. I don't think that's what you want. She said, hold me mice. tight. I don't think that's what think you want. I don't think I that's what you want. I don't think that's what you want. She said, hold me tight, hold me tight, hold me tight. It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be alright. I got some John Cole train on the jukebox, baby. John Cole train on the jukebox, baby. rituals taught by the scriptures, all these things, offerings made to the ghosts of the fathers, herbs of healing and food, the mantra of the clarified butter, the oblation and the flame under which it is offered, he who awards to each the fruit of his actions and he who makes all things clean, om, Om. She said oh, hold me tight I said I don't think that's what you want I don't think that's what you want I don't think that's what you want She said hold me tight I don't think that's what you want I don't think that's what you want I don't think that's what you want She said hold me tight, hold me tight, hold me tight It's gonna be alright, it's gonna be alright John train on a jukebox, baby John train on a jukebox, baby
0: One last time Don Heffington on Independence Day accompanied by Tim Young and Sebastian Steinberg excellent musicians there uh what's so what's going on in the future man have you got stuff lined up are you got uh what projects are you doing now you know through the end of the well, year, I've early been next playing year how with, far out are you booked I mean do you tend to book things far in advance
1: uh, no no I, I I've been playing with uh, the Watkins family We do a thing once a month at, at Largo and we just did mm-hmm. a little tour uh that's that's a great band um,
0: Sarah Watkins, Sean Watkins from Nickel and Sean Creek, Alex and Ben, and ben Montan Montan Terrence, part of
1: Apple, uh, S- S- Sebastian, myself. Um, <clears throat> so that's always, we've always got stuff going there. We just did a little record. Um, trying to get back to New York for a minute, see some people. Um, I got, you know, some sessions coming up this week. Yeah. Um, Amy Korea called me for some stuff. I don't know if you know Amy
0: so you've got some sessions books you've got, yeah, uh,
1: the usual you know it it you know things fill up,,
0: and what does it take to get you on the road? Is it comfort is it money <laughs> is it working no with friends? no,
1: I just gotta I just gotta dig what it's gonna be going on out there. you know, I gotta like the music or else it's yeah. not gonna work out it's gonna not, not gonna work out too well, yeah ultimately, yeah, that's what I find, I don't know,
0: yeah. Well, Don, man, it's been, like I said, it's been almost an, it's been an honor to talk oh, to you about these guys. Well, it's
1: been nice to be here. I appreciate you having yeah, me.
0: Yeah, so, you know, please stay in touch. Let me know what you're up to. I'll do you it. You know, we've got absolutely uh, share this town together. We can find some time yeah, to man. hang out a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's a small town. It is a small town. You know, and it's a funny thing. Like, I feel like as soon as you meet someone, you figure out that you already know someone that they know. Oh, yeah. So we're already close, you know.
1: is a great town. You just got to find your place in it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's spread out, but you can still find a community. Mm-hmm. I think. Absolutely. You know, very nice. Yeah. So once and uh, for all, thank you to Don Heffington and his band, which tonight is Tim Young, Sebastian Steinberg. Also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The unshakable Tony, Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, thanks for listening. I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.